broken voice It hissed another choice and woke my lust The first step of my descent I lost my innocence, misplaced my trust We were deceived We sank our teeth into a We sold ourselves and what we bought wasn't worth the price You gave me all your love, I thought there was more Chaos sheep like the knock, so I opened the door Naked for in a moment, shame was born. I hid my face. You came back down to earth to find that I had cursed the world you made. You gave me all your love, but I love making war. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, Darsh Meshroom, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is a group called the Arcadian Wild, W-I-L-D. And I heard them the other night uh, in a place called... Well, it was at a church over in Louisville. Uh, this guy named Andrew Peterson was playing there, and he has this group he gets together around Christmas time, and of different groups, and they all get up on stage together. This is one group, this is another, and they'll do their own stuff. Then they'll all play stuff together, and, and these guys were one of the kind of younger group, and he said. That he said they sounded like to him a combination of Nickel Creek and Rush. So, I don't know. I, I like them. I hear the Nickel Creek part. I, I'm not really hearing the Rush. I don't, I'm not hearing the Rush, but yeah. Anyway. I, I like the group. Yeah, they're good. All right. So, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about uh, in here are, are – you know, in, in this second hour of the radio show, I mean, we, uh, we focus, we try to focus on, uh, how you can make your money grow faster than inflation taxes and train wrecks take it away from you. And so what you're going to find is that Everything or most everything that we try to discuss is going to be around, you know, those topics. And uh, we're not perfect, but we are pretty close. No, I, um, 
we're we're gonna we're gonna try to talk around pretty much everything related to the investment business. Now, Wall Street, that is the industry that makes a lot of money supposedly by telling people how to invest. Do they always follow their own advice? Oh, absolutely not. Are they great managers of money? No, not usually, not always. A lot of times, not at all. I mean, if you follow their advice, there's chances you could lose 50% by buying stuff that the top brokerage firms tell you about. But they always try to get on the right side of every trade so they can make money whether you lose or gain. Wall Street, when we're talking about Wall Street, we're really not talking about the business that we're in. We are fiduciaries, registered investment advisors. Wall Street is trading firms who buy and sell securities, typically, for their own account. They're acting as principal in many cases. Um, Not always. They're getting paid on a trade. They have investment banking relationships where... They're getting paid to take a company public. So you, the investor, uh, have to be very careful. Wall Street uh, is, is, is the big agglomeration of brokerage firms and investment banking firms out there that make money whether you do or not. This is an article from the... The Wall Street Journal says Wall Street nailed earnings but missed the bear markets. If I told you, this is by James McIntosh, came out on Christmas Day. If I told you that a group of really smart people on Wall Street were able to predict exactly how much money America's biggest companies would make a year from now, you might think they could tell us where the stock market would go, but not so much. Last year, Wall Street analysts, the communicators-in-chief to the investor community for the likes of Goldman, J.P. Morgan, and Citigroup, were collectively spot-on in estimating its corporate earnings for the S&P 500 companies. The fact set consensus prediction is for 221 bucks a share this year, exactly as predicted, with the final quarter still based on estimates. The miss of less than a dollar is the smallest in percentage terms for estimates of the end of the year since 1995. Data from Refinitive IBS shows, while the consensus has on average been out by more than 9% since then. But their success is rather spoiled by Wall Street's complete failure to anticipate the bear market in stocks and bonds, the disconnect is a reminder of the perils of forecasting markets. You can be exactly right and dead wrong at the same time. Now, what happened that they didn't talk about? The Fed. The Fed's intervention in the markets by raising interest rates affected the stock market without necessarily affecting the earnings 
of the S&P 500. The earnings in the S&P 500 came in right as predicted, but the stocks didn't go up because interest rates went up. So, yep. I mean, is that how you guys see it? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's 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 exactly what they're saying. And um, it goes on to say few of them even called correctly called the direction of the market. Um, there was only uh, one, it looks like Bank of America, that was bearish, uh, predicting that markets would go down. So, <clears throat> remember what you what you said leading up to this Wall Street. You know, this is Wall Street. So what you're never going to hear Wall Street say is have a – they may say it, but they're going to be talking out of both sides of their mouths. Right. Have a long-term plan. What does that mean uh, rather than just uh, something that, you know, you just say all the time, oh, have a long-term plan, have a long-term plan. It's about the process. It's the investing process. That's what that's talking about. And – when they're making these short-term predictions, which a one-year prediction is a short-term prediction. Now, these same firms are going to be making even shorter-term predictions on a particular stock, a particular sector, on on down the line you get to when you're getting granular. They're not going to say, have this investing approach for your place in life and stick to it for the long run. They're not going to say that because they're in the business of transacting things. Yep. And if you hold on to it, they don't get paid on the transaction. Right. They want you buying and selling. It's an old model. To me, it's really screwed up. Their incentives are wrong based on where the business has gone for the last several years. And so in order to really hear it right, you need to listen to somebody that's managing their own money or the money of clients over a long period of time, not what the brokerage firms, not what Wall Street is saying. That's right. And between Wall Street, between the media, the media, they want you to tune in. They want you to read. How do you do that? Fear, greed. That's how they get you to tune in. All of this is the noise that we talk about. All of it is meant to cause some sort of a transaction a buy or sell thing there's something get in there, get there's out. an incentive on the other side of that um and what it does it just destroys a long-term plan because <clears throat> like in this case they were exactly right on their earnings estimate forecast but they didn't see what's going on with the fed what ultimately happened with the market and right it's it's always going to be you're going to be late to the party. You're making a bet anytime you do this, and you're chasing things. You're always chasing your tail whenever you adhere to things like this. And so when you read it, when you see it, um, just know that that's what's going on. Um, don't let a short-term impact in the market derail your long-term plan. You know, I mean, we're, we're very clear on how we invest. You know, we're investing for people's retirement. Right. You know, right now, we're we're highly focused on dividends for a number of reasons. And for our clients that are taking distributions, those dividends help um, uh, cover some of those, some or all of the withdrawal from that account. Yeah. If, and if you're in a period where growth isn't growing, 
then it becomes even more important. So what, what, what we want to do is try to produce cash flow. Yep. Yeah. And it's cash flow for our clients. It's not, it's not transacting business. So it's cash flow for us. It's cash flow for our clients because in all fairness, we do get paid for managing assets percentage of the assets under management. We're not completely free of any kind of, um, conflict of interest. You know, everybody has one, uh, ours is less likely to push you in the way of doing a transaction just for the sake of doing the transaction. That's our model is going to be a little different that way. It takes away the uh, incentive for us to push you towards transactions for their own sake. That's right. What it, it pushes us, it incentivizes us to make a transaction if we think it's going to be good for the bottom line of the client. That's right. Because that's our incentive. That's how we get paid. It's based on the value of the account. Now, let's look back a little bit on the year 2022 because uh, this is uh, the last day of, of the, uh, the year. In a way... You could argue that it's been a bad year because we are going to be down somewhat this year. We're not down as much as the market. But you can argue that it's been a good year and it's going to set us up for success down the road because we've been able to secure certain things at prices which are going to lock in to some degree, not entirely because it's not like locking in a bond rate because dividends can be declared or not declared, but it will tend to position us for income because of the yields at which we've been able to buy some of these stocks. And I think we're still looking at that, that we still have some of those opportunities right now. Right. So, I mean, there's always a silver lining to, uh a bear market and and that is that if you know in the prior bull market if you weren't being too aggressive taking uh, unnecessary uh, risks uh, you know if you weren't too concentrated just in one sector of the market um, then you can use the bear market to your advantage uh, as you mentioned Tom that when prices fall yields tend to go up uh valuations tend to become more reasonable in some cases even cheap uh and ultimately uh the best opportunities are always found in bear markets because that's when people uh there's there's fear and you know people uh uh tend to sell uh during those times and as the old saying goes, uh, during bear market stocks go back to their rightful owners. Uh, so those who have the patience, those who have, uh, you know, staying power, they tend to benefit. Well, I think it's important to look at, you know, an investment horizon. Um, when somebody's retired or just entering retirement, what they initially think, and this is just through conversations we've had, over the years, 
they think, well, I don't have a long investment horizon. I'm, I'm retired. I'm going into retirement. Well, that's not, that's not entirely true. Uh, you may not have as long personally as you did when you were 30 years old and you're not contributing like you were. Now that's a separate issue, but as far as investment horizon, you may still have 30 years and a 30 year investment horizon. Um, that's still long term. Uh, so when you're in retirement, you you can't just let it sit and not earn anything. It has to be earning something. Um, and you do have a long investment horizon. And further, the money itself, most people don't plan on spending down all their principal. This money is meant for heirs, beneficiaries. Right. So that money may have a 100-year investment horizon. Right. right. And so it's important to step back really realize not get caught up in what's going to happen in January of 2023 because right. in the grand scheme of things it's not that big of a deal it is right. but it's not when you really step back and look when you have that long-term horizon what's more important than making that January call right is having a process that you're comfortable with you believe in having that trust in somebody that that well it just having somebody that you trust. Right. And, you know, as far as forecasting goes, I would take it a step further. And it's not just the Wall Street uh, forecasters, but I would say even, you know, just watching CNBC or Bloomberg and listening to people uh, forecasting, they may not, you know, they may be talking their own book. They may have investments that they're making according to their forecast. But that does not mean that they are always right. They are often wrong, in fact. And, and even if they've been right in the past, uh, they could be wrong. So again, you know, you have to uh, take a long-term view and not right. get caught up in, you know, what's happening in the moment. Right. Well, and, and some of these uh, hedge funds or private equity funds, um, they're in the bit or, or uh, angel investing, that type of thing. Um they're in the business of knowing that, okay, in our portfolio, if we have 30 different positions, 20 of those are probably going to go to zero. Right. And then one or two of those are going to be our home runs. Right. And so if you're looking at things where they're talking their book, remember, they're in a totally different world than what yeah. our clientele are right. in. Um, you're looking at this money as... This is this is what I'm going to live on for the rest of my life, which I think is pretty tough to do. So, if you can have a side gig, it always helps because sure. I think, quite frankly, I think people retire too early, way too early, and they don't think in terms of having another source of income late into their, you know years and they should think about those things but they frequently do not well it's it's in i don't want to say it's impossible but it's very very hard to replace an income stream and um it's 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 not as good for your health generally speaking sometimes it is but sometimes it's not um, and if, if you are physically able and enjoy some sort of a productive, uh, endeavor that you get paid for, why not? And in today's world, it's, it's easier than ever to have some form of income, 
uh, from doing something, uh, consulting. I mean, uh, there's so many, there's so many different ways that people can have an income source, uh, especially if you just have just the, you know, you're honest. If you've got experience, you're approachable. That right there, that's the groundwork for employment in today's world. Yeah. Work ethic of some kind. Yeah. And sometimes, based on some of the things we've seen with this FTX and things like that, it's a crazy world even with good work ethic and what, good. What, is, what do you mean? No, I'm just I'm just saying that it's, there are crazy things going on right now. And Are you saying those people had good work ethic, but they were crazy? No, but, oh, my Lord. I'm going to just get out of here and let <laughs> Arcadian walk. Seriously. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson and Adarsh Mestru and our host, Tom Dupree. If you want another set of eyes on your portfolio, give us a call, 859-233-0400. Good work ethic, integrity, right? Right. All right. We're out of here for this segment. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the second half of the hour of the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us, Adarsh Mestru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. 
Okay. You pot that down. That's the same group we were just playing a minute ago. Um, In the first half of the hour. Yeah, first half of the hour. Now, I just sent you another one. I'll talk a minute. You pot it up because it's it's another adaptation of a song that was a big rock hit by this in this case by kansas i just sent you another one that's a bluegrass setting of a song by another famous rock group you'll figure it out when you hear it when you get it to up to run turn it up this i played it for you one time i get up yeah that was the giveaway (laughs) you've not heard this you got it tough who is it it's it's van halen yeah it it is yeah playing a bluegrass version of their song with some other guys in well, there. There's, there's Jorgensen Bluegrass Band. Um, is, but it's is Eddie what's... Van Halen singing. Play it, turn it up. And actually, and David Lee that's Roth. David Lee yeah, Roth. No, that's David, Lawton, sure. David yeah. Lee Roth is what I meant. Can't you, see what I meant? you never heard this? No. So you can take these old rock standards and jazz them up and play bluegrass on them or whatever. So when I was in college, we saw a group at the Dame downtown. Uh It was Hacy Dixie doing ACDC covers bluegrass. Phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Hacy Dixie. (laughs) That's a pretty good name. Yeah. All right. I don't know how we're going to make any sense out of this. So I like this article. Elon Musk and Kathy Wood are almost right about the Fed, both of whom, I don't know if they're friends with each other. Uh, Of course, Elon Musk is the head of Tesla, and Kathy Wood has the uh, fund uh, called ARC that has, it's really trades as an ETF, doesn't it? It Yes. Yeah. It's got a management fee, but her, her fund arc, uh, has been a big owner of Tesla for, for some time. I mean, I don't know who, how much she's got left in there. Um, but they've both said that the fed rates are dragging down the tech sector. I just don't buy that. I, I, I don't even see how rising interest rates can affect the tech sector that much because it's typically a cash generator, not a borrower of, of money. Uh, therefore, uh, I mean, many of those companies have pretty big cash balances, which over time would actually help them by getting higher interest rates on their cash. So, um, you know, but they have both come out and excoriated the Fed for what they've done. I do think what the Fed's doing is unfair to the private sector, but it's not necessarily unfair to these people. It's unfair to the average person 
uh, because the government has taken away through inflation, and yet the Fed is punishing the private sector for what the government's done. That's where I got a problem anyway. Yeah, so, you know, as far as blaming higher interest rates for, you know, in the case of uh, Kathy Wood, her main fund, the ARC fund, is down close to 80% from its peak. Uh, Tesla, as of yesterday, was down 70-odd percent. Um, so It's been going up the last couple of days. Yeah, yesterday and today it was up, but after having dropped, like just over the last month, it dropped almost like 40. Six, yeah. Yeah, in the last month. And then year-to-date, yes, it's down over 60%. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they weren't out when interest rates were low and when... Um, monetary policy was extremely loose you know you could argue that loose money caused uh, the bubble that we saw in a lot of these high growth uh, spacs it's kind of stuff that Kathy would uh, invested in tesla of course was not a spac uh, but a lot of our other holdings were newer high growth companies that had no profits so the point being that you know when the fund was going up. It went up many times over a very short period, like four times or so. Uh, her fund did. Her fund did, yes. But again, you know, the result of basically a bubble. Um, at that point, she wasn't uh, complaining about, you know, loose money, monetary policy. Um, right. And then I think the second point of this article was that, yes, in theory, higher interest rates... Uh, which is basically higher discount rates, lower the net present value of uh, future cash flows. But uh, there are multiple factors to it. It's not just interest rates. It's also the fundamentals of the business. So if a business's fundamentals are deteriorating, then interest rates are not going to matter. I can't imagine that those tech companies making the highs that they made was purely based upon... uh, you know, a discounted cash flow model. There was you know, no cash by, flow. Yeah, <laughs> back to the treasury or right. <laughs> some kind of thing like that. I mean, you know, and then to say that that's, well, now that, you know, we've raised rates, you know, we're taking the duration up or what or down or whatever. You know, I, I don't go with that. Right. And uh, the firm GMO last year, they came out with a study that showed that really interest rates have a very small bearing on the price of these. That's uh, Jeremy Grantham. Yes, because really what happens is when the economy comes out of a recession and starts recovering, interest rates go up along with stock prices. Higher interest right. rates just mean that, you know, there's... Uh, Demand uh, for money. Exactly, yes. Um, so, and, and also valuations play a big factor. So say if a stock is at a very depressed valuation, then higher interest rates does not mean that it'll become even more depressed. You know, it could just, while interest rates are going up, it could go back. So these stocks, a lot of these stocks were obviously overvalued. Many stocks that Kathy Wood's funds owned had no cash flow, had no earnings. They were all predicated upon future growth. Uh, So it just, yeah, I mean, um, and really... Her fund peaked in February of 2021, uh, and um, she kept buying the dip along the way, mm-hmm. really, over the last year and a half. So, again, not to be too critical of her, because, you know, we all know that this this is a tough... Money management is not an easy business, but... 
uh, it's easy to blame it on the Fed and you know not really you know where was her risk management? Why was she buying despite knowing that these stocks without any earnings were trading at crazy valuations? Why did she keep buying? Right. It? Well, she had massive inflows because right. money chasing those right. returns right. had to deploy it, and that's that's what she did. Right. Um, but I, I think it highlights too the importance of not focusing on one event happening. You know, I've I've heard it. You know, the thesis that I'm going to buy the, this quote unquote tech or growth stock because when interest rates go down or when the Fed cuts rates or things like that, that the valuations are going to go back up because of that event. But I mean, this sometimes th- they never do yeah. because. They aren't the hot thing anymore. I mean, we, we know what happened during the dot-com bubble to stocks like Intel, Cisco, uh, even mm-hmm. Microsoft. Obviously Intel the, and Cisco have never recovered. No, they, they haven't, no. And there were many others. Uh, and they're good companies. They are good companies, yes. It's just that they, their valuations were so expensive that it took them all these years to grow into that valuation. Level. I remember when I was at Payne Weber, and this is before it was UBS, so that puts you back before the year 2000, so late 90s. So we're talking over 20 years ago. That uh, our uh, chief investment strategist, a guy named Ed Kirshner, said he thought that a PE of 175 was actually the right price for Cisco. Right. Yeah, in other words. And I, I don't know that it it's ever, ever even come back to that number. I'm not no, sure it has. It hasn't, no. Um, it probably trades around 15, 20 times earnings now. Right. I mean, I mean, now it's a mature company. Maybe at some point it was a value stock. Uh, and that's what's going to happen to a lot of these high flyers, the ones that are good companies that are going to survive. At some point, they're going to become value stocks because they will generate earnings. They will trade at reasonable uh, multiples. Um yeah, it's just that when there is so 17 much- times earnings, it's got a 3% yield, t- right. Cisco does. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, market cap of $195 billion. I mean, and then for the last, well, let's see, uh, Max. Yeah, it really... It's gone up some since 1999, but not much. Had this huge spike in from 1999 to 2000 drop. It's never gone back up to right. that high. Right, and and that was 22 years ago. 23 Twi- years. Yeah, ago. 23 years ago now. Um, so, you know, when when there there is uh, a lot of liquidity, like there was. Uh, last year and the year before and there was in the late 90s and uh, there was really this uh, uh, frenzy where everyone wanted to own these tech and internet stocks. Uh, at that point, you know, uh, people rationalize anything, uh, sure, including professionals, where you mentioned that Ed Kirshner said 175, you know. Um, but really, there are very few people who are able to... Uh, not get caught up in that. You know, Warren Buffett obviously was an example of someone who did not participate. Jean-Marie Aviard. Jean-Marie Aviard. And I think about a year ago, we uh, discussed an article that talked about how the gap between uh, growth and value, you know, a bridge so quickly where just uh, a few months after the dot-com bubble right. burst, uh, yeah. 
stocks went from being growth stocks to value stocks if they had earnings. Yes, and the outperformance of growth over the previous five years, ten years, completely went away. Went away. Uh, and this time around, uh, the gap between Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway and Kathy yeah. Wood's ARK completely disappeared, and Berkshire right. has outperformed <laughs> ARK after. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I had a guy who this. I only had one client do this. Um, and this was back in 01, so 00 and 01. Uh, he started out, uh, and he did it cause he was greedy. <laughs> if I told you who it was, you'd know exactly what I mean, but his greed actually helped him. He started putting in $300 a month into this account in a tech thing. It was his highest growth tech stock fund he could find the most aggressive Puts money in for like 98, 1998, 1999, 00, putting money in there like gangbusters. And the thing drops. And by the end of 02, that fund was down 80% from its high. You know what he did? Doubled his contributions. He doubled his contributions not only then, but even before it made a bottom. By 2003, he had a profit. So, because in 2003, if you look back, the market was up 50%, but it had right. already gone down 80, you know, so right. it wasn't anywhere near to being back. But if you were, if you bought and really bought, if you had the money to buy in that low area, you brought everything back to even. Yeah. Yeah. Right. By the end of 03, he was up. Yeah. On all his purchases because <laughs> yeah, so, it's all an average deal. Right, exactly. And the, the timing makes a big difference, and yeah. I suspect this time around it won't be any different. But it's important to make sure so that whatever you you're buying. bottom? No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> not pronosticating here. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not calling a bottom, but it, it will bottom at some point, and yeah. there will be some companies that will make it. Well, that's not a good economic uh, <laughs> economist thing. <laughs> No, my, my point was that even this time around, when you look back 10 years, 10 years from now, right. the companies that survive will be good investments. Oh, yeah. It always uh, works today. that way. Yes, but then you have to be careful look about Look at how buying. it's worked in oil. I mean, kind of right. same thing. You know, yeah. their, their bear market was in 00. Yeah. And really since 2014 through 00 in a sense. Right. So you have to be right about the ones that you buy. So when the dot-com yeah. bubble burst... Amazon dropped 94% from its peak, 94%. But in the year 2001, no one knew Amazon was going to become what it became. It was just like a bookstore, which some thought was a crazy idea, and it was there was no edge there. But I mean, you could have saw, argued at one time eBay was probably bigger than Amazon, was Oh, it? yes. I'm, I'm sure it was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then eBay bought PayPal for a very small amount and then they spun spun PayPal off uh anyway so the the, the point being is that your, your timing is crucial if you buy at the peak you know people that were jumping in in the year late 2020 early 2021 when a lot of these uh, stocks peaked uh then they you know they would have experienced this drawdown but had you been patient or had you had a plan where you were just buying gradually then you probably would have been okay yeah well, it's it, it it's your timing. It's where you are in life too. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're if you're working, if you're employed, 
then yeah, you can yeah. do something like that. If you're retired, if you're, you've got cash flow coming in from another place, and right. that's exactly the thing. that's why we have to be so careful about what we're doing here because you know we're dealing with people's money, and sometimes that's all they're using for their income. I always advise people to keep working at some kind of job that produces income as long as you can. You know, if nothing else, it might produce some money that you can use to buy some stuff if things are really cheap yeah. in here. Yeah. Well, and anytime you go through, you know, what, what, what's gone on this past year, financial crisis, tech bubble, any kind of market fluctuations, you know, it's, it's hindsight bias. And so you're always looking right. back saying – well, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. And last year, if, if only I had taken this action yeah. you know, when I knew this was going to happen. Well, but you're looking at it now through the lens of knowing what has happened. Well, it's like people it's trying to, your, it's like people nowadays trying to assign values to people 150 years ago. Oh, they were racist. Oh, they were terrible. They were this, they were that based on yeah. how we look at things today. That's right. You can't go back and sort of appropriate how you're feeling now on right. on somebody back then it's the same thing with investing you know uh, you it's always about today it's always about what can i do today what you know the market's down the market's up there's always in any market there's always some kind of opportunity yeah that you can do something just about right right and so what's the important thing, guys? The important thing is... Have a plan, process, somebody you trust. Somebody to look over your shoulder, make sure that where you are in life works for where your portfolio is. Because a lot of yep. times we have people come in and they've had it on a set and forget. Well, they were accumulating during, um, during their employment and they, they don't realize you're changing now, you know. Not to say you don't keep investing, which you do. Not to say you don't need growth, which you do. But you have to have a, a plan. You could keep your investment thing the same, but you better have a plan because now you're going to be taking money out of it rather than adding money into it. Right. And you've said before, Mike, also that the last thing you want to do is to have to liquidate or sell to support your lifestyle when the market's down. Right. Right. I mean, that that's the last thing you want to be forced to right. do, sell into a down market. And it's no fun. So that's that comes into the, the, the investment approach, the allocation, dividends, income, uh, to supplement that with whatever money. your account can throw off yep. in terms of income. That's something that doesn't have to be liquidated and sold to produce income. If you can produce more dividends, more generation of cash from your securities, so it's always throwing something off, that's separate from the principal. That's what we like to try to do. Give call us a call. Us. Yeah, exactly. Go there, Tom. 859-233-0400. We hope you have a happy new year, and we will talk to you next year. That's cool. <laughs>